Welcome to the Bodybuilding.com podcast. I'm Nick Coleus, your host. Uh, to my right, as always, is Heather Eastman. And we're snowed in today. Mm-hmm. Come help us, please. Send dogs so we can eat them. It'll be really funny if it's air in the middle of summer. Send coffee. Um, on this frigid winter day, our guest is the fantastic guitarist Nita Strauss, who braved the elements to come visit with us. It was seriously braving because I'm from L.A., so we don't have anything like this. She told me even. the tour bus got stuck this morning. No way. Yeah, we got stuck in the snow. We were supposed to arrive uh, around 6. I mean, we're asleep. It's not like I'm driving in or anything. But <laughs> we were supposed to arrive around 6, and we got in literally as our Uber was pulling up to pick us up to bring us here. Nice. Like, wow. Like the Uber pulled in behind the bus. All right. Yeah. No, I know what you're thinking, people. Uh, guitarist on the podcast, but stick with us. We'll, we'll, with the, us. The, the point will be will be clear quickly here. But uh, Nina, Nita has shredded in the service of a whole bunch of bands uh, for the last few, few years. You've been the lead guitarist for Alice Cooper. That's right. Um, she's also been in the Iron Maidens, which is an all women's Iron Maiden tribute band, which is just as badass as it sounds. There's some serious guitars flailing in that one. Mm-hmm. And you also may have seen her on her own more recently. She played um, at uh, what WWE WrestleMania. WrestleMania. Right? That's the last right. couple of them playing out Shinsuke Nakamura. And you also just released your first solo album, the absolutely epic Controlled Chaos, which I listened to while I was having dinner the other day. Oh, I'm, that's the first time I've heard someone listening to it like as dinner music. Did it did it work? <laughs> you know, um, it's more like workout. We may, music. Have, pa- we may have paused it uh, in the middle and then finished it up later, but I listened to the whole. Thing. <laughs> I, I, I'm not offended at all by that <laughs> because I don't I don't know how good conversation would be over like music like that. All a question of volume. You're absolutely right. You can um, be more right. Now, now, that's all preamble, of course, because Nita is also the subject of a profile article on bodybuilding.com called Meet Music's Most Shredded Axe Player. I may or may not have written that headline. I don't I don't really remember. I like um, that headline. Probably but did. she's a fitness and lifting diehard and also someone who's representing, you know, health and self-control, self-mastery in a culture where sometimes those things can be a bit hard to find. Yeah, definitely yeah. right. It's it's funny because now in 2018 in the music industry, there's this huge shift happening where partying is not really the norm anymore. Like, mm. you know, everyone has this this idea of musicians like, oh, it's just crazy drugs and booze and, you know, women and, and crazy lifestyle. Most of the people that I know in the, in the music industry now are on this fitness kick. You know, we're all sitting on the tour bus talking about who takes what pre-workout, who drinks what green juice mm. and where the nearest Whole Foods is and where the nearest gym is. You know, on this tour, uh, I'm on the Guitar Collective tour with two other guitar players. And we're literally, we, we wake up in the morning, we get on the group tag, say, hey guys, there's a 24-hour fitness. It's uh, half a mile away. Do you guys mm. want to Uber or walk? Like, mm-hmm. and that's, nice. that's the routine. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I also just, I know that, um, I have a lot of friends who are musicians and after a while on the road, just inevitably they get hurt. They start to break down and they get reminded of their physical mortality, uh, perhaps more than other people because yeah, there's just, there's, there's a lifespan for a body carrying heavy shit around going from tour to tour. Oh yeah. A thousand percent. And also you're so physical, you know, being, being a performer is a really physical job. It might not seem like it, but it really is, especially if you're active on stage, like I'm a very active performer. So you're running around, you know, I do sprints to get ready for tour. You know, I, I, I prepare for tour just like an athlete would prepare for a competition. Like an off season and an in yeah. season. Oh, absolutely. When I'm getting ready for tour, you know, like I diet differently. I, I train differently. You know, I'll do interval sprints. I'll do less lifting and more cardio to be ready for, you know, 90 minute hmm. marathon on stage. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's definitely different. Well, that was what was so interesting in the profiles. It talked about how you're using fitness to enhance your performance. And like, like you just said, you're almost prepping for it like you are an athlete. Oh, absolutely. And you said it almost has nothing to do with appearance. I mean, now, like, the appearance part is a it's a pleasant huge side effect. Yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> so what – because I know that in that profile I also talked about you had this massive transformation. Yes. So what really kind of prompted you to just say, you know what, I need to get in shape, I need to get healthy? Um, you know, it's funny because – 
a lot of people's transformation starts when they're in this huge downward spiral, this, you know, this, this low point in their life. For me, that moment happened when I was on this super high, you know, we were on a huge arena tour opening up for Motley Crue, you know, we were playing to, I, I played to over a million audience members that year, traveled all over the world doing all this stuff. But mentally I was breaking down. I was so unhappy. I was drinking every single day. And, and it's just sort of a routine you fall into on tour, you know, like there's the two sides of touring. There's the kind that we do now. And there's the kind where, you know, you just get accustomed to, you, you don't think you're drinking a lot, but you have, you have a beer or two, you know, to loosen up before the show or during the show. After the show, you have a drink or two with friends or fans, you go out and meet the people and, you know, then you get on the bus, you have a glass of wine or a cocktail. And then the next day you have a day off. And what is there to do on a day off? You don't know. I don't know anyone in Boise, let's say, what is there to do? You go to the bar. Right. And before you realize, it, you're drinking seven days a week. You don't know how to fall asleep without it. You don't know how to have a normal conversation without it. And um, and nobody can function like that forever except Keith Richards right. and Joe Perry. Well, right. the thing, though, there, are, there are people yeah. like, like, yeah, you think of Joe Perry and people like that that just, yeah. they kind of live out Super there. Super highly functioning. Right, exactly. Yeah. Um, but, but I was so unhappy, you know, and mentally so not ready. So in uh, September 2015, I got sober and literally at that point in my life, it was as if like God opened the door and said like, okay, are you ready now? Mm -hmm. Are you ready to, to like shape up? And I replaced all of that addiction of like, you know, going out with going to the gym. And I was like, well, it was kind of an aesthetic thing at first. I was like, well, you know what, if I'm going to give this up, I want it to be worth it. I want to look badass mm -hmm. while I'm doing it. So I want to look great. Um, and then I sort of traded one addiction for the other, you know, uh, because especially, you know, I learned the term newbie gains back then. Mm -hmm. um, but seeing that happen, you know, seeing your body transform so much in the first few months of working out, I got so addicted to that feeling. Like, and then I started wanting to push my body even further and further. Uh, I was an athlete growing up. I did gymnastics growing up. And so I, my body knows how to push itself. My body knows how to overcome adversity and say like, hey, you're tired. You have two sets left. Like, take a breath and power through. Uh, and so reconnecting with that part of myself was a huge, huge change. Mm. And and now I love it. See, so now I, I guess I didn't realize that you had been that athletic growing up because uh, I read about you that you started playing when you were about 13, playing guitar, right? Mm -hmm. That's right. And I've been touring since you were 15. Like you're, you were a very devoted guitarist and check it out. Like it's no bullshit. Like it's like Steve Vai sort of oh God, style playing, you. right? That's my favorite guitar player. Like, okay, but I mean, but that's, that's what it yeah. reminds me of. Like thank just you. acrobatic, really, you you know, every capability of your instrument. Acrobatic so, is a good description. I like that. So, so like how did, yeah, how, how did you, uh, wow, how do I, I'm wondering what to ask you, but like you started doing that. Um, mm -hmm. How did how did you get that serious about that, and what, and what, how did you go down that path? Yeah, so uh, so my mom is a dance teacher, and my mm -hmm. dad's a musician. So my sister and I grew up doing from ballet from the time we could walk. We were always in sports, uh, and then from ballet we went to rhythmic gymnastics. We were both competitive rhythmic gymnastics, and like so, literally when you're in a competitive sports as a kid, it teaches you that discipline. It teaches you that you know, like even as a seven or eight year old, you, you want to win. You go and you see other kids getting medal. You're not getting medal. It makes you work harder. Right. So I always had that in the back of my head. You know, I always had that, you know, that visualization of, you know, this is what I want to do. And, and even back then, it's so funny. I can remember visualizing my routines, you know, before obviously reading the secret or knowing anything about, uh, manifesting what you want. I can remember being like a seven or eight year old and laying in bed before going to a gymnastics competition and visualizing my routine and going through all the steps, going through everything that I was going to do. 
And, you know, from walking out on the floor, how I was going to salute to the judges, what my coach was going to look like, mm. how she was going to correct me after the thing, how I'd step onto the podium, I'd win the gold, how it would look, how it would sound, like every nuance. Uh, and when I started playing guitar, I fell in love with it immediately and all my focus shifted to that. And I would lay in bed and imagine doing what I'm doing now. Imagine playing on stage in front of people and moving people with what I love to do by playing music. And I was so single-mindedly focused on playing guitar. Like, I didn't want to do anything else. I didn't want to, like, I was the kid that would sit alone on the bleachers and play guitar at recess at school, mm. you know. If you had a 15-minute break between classes, I would take my guitar out and sit on the bench and play guitar. And I just fell so in love with it. I fell so in love with this way of expressing yourself. And uh, so I had a band. I was playing, we were playing Battles of the Bands is in, in LA. Uh -huh. um, and we would play any Battle of the Bands that we could. Like we would play Battle of the Bands of high schools that we didn't even go to. <laughs> and uh, and we did this series of Battle of the Bands that led up to Van's Warp Tour. And that was my first major tour when I was 15. Mm. And from that point forward, I'm 31 now. So I've actually been touring longer of my life than not touring. Right. I've been touring 16 years. So it's, it's now just like a part of who I am. Hmm. So, and, and at what point did the, did the culture that accompanies that start to bring itself into your mindset as well? Because uh, yeah, so, I mean, listening to the way that you play, there's obviously many, many hours spent on your own practicing there. Yeah. It's not necessarily, yeah, you know, alcohol and hanging out on tour buses sure. and stuff mm -hmm. like that. When did, when did you start to realize like, oh, okay, yeah, th this is what a rock star is supposed to do as well? It was pretty early on. Um, it was really early on and it was because... Um, I don't want to say like back then, because mm -hmm. it's still kind of different to be a female in, in the rock industry. It's much more common now. But back in my day, <laughs> when I was, you know, a teenager, um, you know, playing shows and, and you know, in like the early 2000s, um, it wasn't normal. There were no girls doing it. There were no girls in the metal scene. Um, and there was nobody my age doing it either. So the only way I knew how to fit in was to talk tough you know, drink with the guys, smoke cigarettes with the guys. I never, the weed and stuff was not something I ever got into myself, mm -hmm. but I was always just putting on this sort of tough face of like, you know, because I felt that if I didn't hang, if I didn't, you know, say like, oh yeah, you want another beer? I'll have another beer too. Like, right. you know, you have, you have to put on this tough face and, and put that out to the world. And that was something that terrified me about quitting drinking because I was so scared, even, you know, even in my late twenties of like, if I don't drink with people, will I still be respected? Will I still, you know, will I have anyone to hang out with? Will I have anything to do? Am I going to be by myself all the time? Will you still be good at playing the guitar? Oh, yeah. I cried. Mm -hmm. I cried um, before my first sober show and after. But before, like, I broke down in tears because I had now I had not played a show without having a drink first in 15 years. Mm. Like, it was just my routine. You know, you have a, a beer or a vodka or whatever to loosen up. And that's what gives you that little extra liquid confidence. Mm -hmm. Um and I got off stage my first show and I just broke down. I burst into tears. I was like, I don't think I can do this. I've built my entire life around this identity of being like, you know, this hard hitting, hard partying, hang with the best of them, right. tough chick. And now I don't know who I am anymore. And everybody knew, like I was uncomfortable on stage and everybody noticed. And, uh, and then I got off stage and I went out to the tour bus and there's always fans by the tour buses. And I'm, you know, I'm stopping and talking to people. And everybody said, you were so great. Your performance was so great. And I was thinking, wait, so no one noticed? You couldn't see yeah. me. It wasn't a thing. Like I wasn't mm -hmm. cowering, cringing. And then I watched the video back and I was like, oh, it was totally normal. Maybe I ran around a little less than usual. Um, and then the second show was easier and the third show was easier. And now 
I'm, you know, I don't even think about it at all. It's been three years. I don't even, I don't even think about it even a little bit. Hmm. Wow. So that um, kind of hang with the guys mentality, did that also translate over when you stepped into the gym for the first time? Because I know that that's another thing that women, especially when they walk in the gym. It's so intimidating. Yeah. It's so intimidating. Um, I used to work out at Powerhouse uh, in LA where mm -hmm. there's so many competitors work out. And uh, a girlfriend of mine and I decided that we were going to get in shape together. Uh, maybe this, the first time I really decided I wanted to start working out again, serious, was about six years ago maybe. And uh, a girlfriend of mine and I signed up for Powerhouse and we walked in and we were so intimidated. We didn't know how anything worked. We had um, in that instant fitness app on the phone and we were looking up, you know, the exercises and how to do them. And and we ventured, you know, it took a week or two for us to even venture into the weights, like the free weights. Sure. We we're just like, oh, we're just going to stay on the machine. Pretty normal, I think. Yeah, I'm sure. And then she signed up for Team Edge, uh, which is Ingrid Romero and her husband's mm -hmm. coaching company. And she's like, let's just do my workout with me. Follow along with me. Do it together. That's the first time that we ventured into the big weights. And I can still remember how mortifying this was, you know, because we were standing there. We're like, we don't know what any of this is. You know, what is a hammer curl? Right. What is a preacher curl? You know, what is a, a Smith machine? You don't know. And no you think there. that that shit's so important. Like, yeah, oh, my yeah. God, if I don't know if this, I'm missing out I'm on missing something. Everyone's going to know that I don't know. Exactly. <laughs> don't you know what a hammer curl is? Get out of here. <laughs> so there we are on our phones, you know, like, okay, hammer curl, proper way to do a hammer mm -hmm. curl. And this big jacked guy walked past and goes, you ladies going to stay on your phone all day? You're going to work out. Uh, and we were so mortified. We're like, we're looking up how to right. we, we can't do anything we right. We we're doing. So, I mean, it was, it took so long. It took so long for me to get comfortable. Um, and because you think, again, you have that feeling like all eyes are on you and, and there's, you know, there's no right way and you're still doing stuff. And still to this day, you know, like my boyfriend, Josh and I worked out downstairs at the gym here and he's like, you know, you have to keep your arm, you have to extend your arm more on a preacher curl. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you have to extend your arm more. You're not extending your arm enough. And this part of my bicep is weak. So still to this day, I'm, you know, I'm learning. But it took years to get mm -hmm. comfortable. And the thing that was the biggest turning point was actually signing up for Team Edge myself. And uh, it was October of 2017 that I first contacted Ingrid. And I was like, hey, send some progress pictures. Like, here's where I'm at. Here's where I want to be. This is my schedule because I work out in hotel gyms every day. I, I don't have a normal gym I can work out in. Some days I can only do body weight. Can you can you work with me? What were you, what was your goal at that point? What did you tell them? At that point, um, I felt like I had progressed as much as I could without having some guidance. Um, especially, you know, if I could be in my gym, you know, a home a gym that has a full set of equipment every day and work out, I feel like I could do a lot. But I'm on the road 10 months out of the year. And so everything that I do, I have to have an option to do in a hotel room, you know, with just a band or with, you know, different mm -hmm. things. So uh, having Ingrid and also having someone train you, you know, I didn't know, for instance, I'm very quad dominant. I didn't know that. <laughs> like, so when I would train legs, my legs would get big. Like, you know, they would because I think probably from gymnastics, from right. all my years of doing gymnastics, that's how it is. So when I started doing the edge workouts, they really focused less on compound movements and more on isolated, you know, hamstrings and glutes and lower back. Like he's like, OK, so this is your this is what you like. This is what you like. You know, this is the aesthetic that you like. This is what the functionality that you need, right. you know, because I need to strengthen my my legs and my arms and be able to perform well. Um, and so they tailor my workout every two weeks 
based on what I'm, what I could improve on. So they're saying, okay, you know, I get the email every two weeks. This is great. Your glutes are coming along really well. This is what you still need to focus on. This is what we're going to isolate with this. I want you to take uh, your BCAAs before and after your workout today, or, you know, whatever it is. And they'll just really dial it into the point where I can follow it like in like a template. And as long as I'm willing to color within the lines, it'll work. Mm -hmm. See, and it's I mean? worth noting, you're not doing this to like, you know, do a bikini show or something like that. You're doing this just to be a functional human being, mm -hmm. yeah. but at your job. I think that, I, I think that's so valuable and people kind of miss that sometimes. Like Absolutely. when they think about, oh, should I hire a coach? Should I not hire a coach? Just once it can be so beneficial mm -hmm. to have somebody who knows their shit, look at you objectively and say, your lifestyle up to this point as a gymnast, as a performing musician, mm -hmm. it's done this to your body. Let's bring up your weak mm -hmm. area before you just come crashing into a wall. Well, it Absolutely. does, yeah. It mm -hmm. takes that outside perspective. An outside perspective. And and you don't know, you know, like I follow the the pages, you know, the Instagram pages and and I go, okay, this works for them, right. but it doesn't necessarily work for everybody. Mm -hmm. And and another thing that I I started doing uh, when I started working with Edge was uh, I started treating the shows like a workout. Mm -hmm. So I'll actually put on my sweet sweat before I go on stage. What's sweet um, sweat? I don't know what that is. Sweet sweat? Really? Yeah. Are we at bodybuilding.com? <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what that is? I have no idea what that really? is. Really? Yeah. It's like this stuff It's that you put on your, your body uh -huh. and it's like um, – it makes you sweat. Like it brings up your body temperature. So it makes oh. you sweat and you lose water. Oh, and, uh, <laughs> and, yeah. Sweet and it, sweat. Um, I think – I think I don't think they sell it as a fat burner, but it does help you lose a lot of that stubborn body huh. fat yeah. in the in the areas that you put it on. Interesting. No, I've it never raises heard your this. temperature. We probably sell you. it. I feel like, <laughs> I think, I I feel like when I was a competitor, I put something like that on areas of my body that I wouldn't disclose. <laughs> you probably just put a lot of weird stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I put that on, and I put um, a, like a waist trainer over it, not for the fact of getting smaller, but right. because it helps uh, retain that heat. Oh. Um, uh -huh. And I'll That's, put that on. That sounds on. pretty sweaty. Yeah, it is. And I put it on, you know, and this is actually like my watch here is a Misfit Command. It's a step tracker. Mm -hmm. So like I can track my steps for the show. I can, you know, I try to hit my 10,000 by the end of the show. So if I don't hit it, if you guys see me running back and forth a little oh. more, I'm like, if I'm checking my watch, I'm not bored. I'm like, uh, okay, I'm at, you know, nine, nine. Five. Right. Okay, I can, I can relax. <laughs> one more solos. Come exactly. on, one more time, guys. <laughs> exactly. Um, but really, you know, like I'll take L-carnitine before mm -hmm. a show. I'll take a BCAA after mm -hmm. the show. Um, if I'm, I actually do intermittent fasting now, so I don't do this uh, these days. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Do you do it too? Oh yeah, it's the best. I'm obsessed. With I it. tell people it's like the perfect marriage of like easy to do best results. Yes. There are easier things to do that you won't get results, and there are better results that are not nearly as easy. And it's like. Absolutely. Right with those two. It makes all the difference in the world, mm -hmm. I find, you know, and, it, and it's hard because for me, you know, if I do like a 16 to 8, you know, try to eat between noon and 8 p.m., um, my thing is I usually go on stage around 8 p.m. So I can't eat my final meal at 7.30 because then I'll go on stage full. Mm -hmm. So what I end up doing on tour is usually doing more of like a four-hour eating window. I'll eat between noon and four or five. I'll have like a nice, you know, big late lunch and then that'll be my, my final meal mm -hmm. until after. But what I would do if I wasn't intermittent fasting was make a protein shake, you know, banana and chocolate, uh, soy milk mm -hmm. and protein and, you know, all kinds of good stuff and have half before the show and half after the show, just as you would for, for a heavy workout. Mm -hmm. And treating the show as a workout has made a big difference in my physique. Yeah, it really has. Mm. Uh, have you found that there are other people 
uh, you cross paths with in the music industry and in metal who have that same mentality or it's like all of a sudden you can kind of geek out on that sort of thing and so they Definitely. understand that feeling mm-hmm. of all right this is not just a performance it's it's a physical feat it's a physical thing yeah absolutely i don't know if i know anyone uh it's really just my boyfriend josh and i mm-hmm. who uh who do the like the actual workout you know routine as you know as in taking your bcaas taking a fat burner putting on your sweet sweat mm-hmm. and whatnot but um but there are, you know, even the, the two guitar players on tour with me right now, Angel Vivaldi and Jackie Vincent, they're total gym rats. You know, they have gym stuff. We've got, you know, pads and gloves to do boxing. You oh, know, sweet. we've got like all kinds of stuff with us. And, you know, the other guys and the other bands I know too, it's the same thing. And, uh, you know, the girls, even the females in the music industry are super into fitness. Everyone's bringing power blocks and, you know, and bands and, and uh, ankle weights and whatever we can out on the road to just. Do what you can with what you have. Mm. Nice. Yeah, and it's, it's so it's so easy to think of a lead guitarist in particular as like the, their their body's just sort of part of the presentation. Mm-hmm. Like, it is. You know, yeah. Joe Perry or somebody like that. No sleeves, maybe no shirt. Sure. Mm-hmm. And you don't think about the the physicality of it. That that there is. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, you know, there there's. There's not only it's it's a physical act playing a mm-hmm. guitar. Yeah. You know? uh, so how how has this all changed your idea of what what your body is and what its purpose is? Uh, for a long time, I was really just zeroed in on like the mental and you know then the performance aspect, and I wasn't thinking about being the total package. <clears throat> in in 2018, to be a success at just about anything that you do, you have to be the complete package. I think you know you have to have a good look, be professional, be great at what you do, be on time, you know, dress dress appropriately for what it is you want to do. Um, you know, do your social media, do your marketing. It's, you know, you have to be a one person entrepreneur if you want to succeed in in doing something great with your life. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the aesthetic part of it was something that I hadn't really put that much thought into. It's hard as a woman in the music industry because there's this balance between being sexy and being taken seriously. Mm -hmm. And I have just like gone all over the place on that scale. Right. You know, like, uh, I remember when I first started touring, people were telling me, like, you're a pretty girl. You need to show that to the world. So mm-hmm. I wasn't, you know, wearing nipple tape or anything. Right. But but I would dress less conservatively. You know, I'd show, show more skin, wear shorts or a skirt or whatever. And I realized pretty quickly that's not the kind of attention you want to get in the music industry. So from there, I went the polar opposite way. Parka. And, yeah. Basically, <laughs> essentially, I would wear, like, a men's size large shirt mm-hmm. um, and baggy pants, like cargo pants, you know, Adidas shoes. What is this, 1991? <laughs> yeah, he's basically, yeah. I've got a dude in 1991. <laughs> uh, you know, much less makeup. You know, I, I did my hair so dark, it was almost brown. Like, I just, I didn't want to be the girl. Mm-hmm. I wanted to just be respected as a guitar player. And then I realized I just wasn't really all that happy trying to hide. I wasn't, mm-hmm. try, I was trying to hide from the world. And I, was, I didn't like that either. So it wasn't until I just started saying, you know what? I am who I am. I love what I do. I want to look the way I want to look. And if people don't like it, that's not my problem. And as soon as I just embraced that, everybody came on board. And, you know, no one was judging me. No one was saying, you know, oh, you shouldn't, you shouldn't, you know, a girl that looks like that shouldn't play guitar like that or whatever. So it's just all about embracing who you are and embracing your own journey. Hmm. Well, and you're hitting on a problem that a lot of women in the fitness industry encounter too, where it's like, you know, it's, it's a skin industry, you know, we. Skin industry. Aha. The dad jokes have started. Jeez, you call him totally, dad jokes totally, too. That's all anybody totally says about me all day long. Is that I make dad jokes? Thanks a lot. Yes, I yeah, but it's jokes. his terrible puns. No, but I mean, you know, fitness women were encur- they're encouraged to 
pose almost naked, you know, yeah. really show off their six pack and their arms and everything else in between. And so right. finding that balance between being able to be proud of your body and show off your body, but then also maintain that professionalism and integrity. I can only and imagine. Yeah. So you know? it, it seems like you've really hit something there. And also I think that a lot of women that start down that fitness journey kind of discover that if they prove themselves in the gym as well and yeah. kind of like own that, that really helps secure that identity that doesn't have to just be about what you look like in front of a camera. What you look like when you're bending over and showing your butt. Right. Like, right. You know, I, I see, you know, especially following my coach Ingrid, I see this all the time, you know, and she and she's really upfront and open, you know, and she's a mother of twins, an entrepreneur. She has like four businesses, you know, and and yeah, there's a bunch of pictures of her in competition, you know, wearing a tiny little thong with her butt out, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but she talks a lot about that, how, you know, there's a difference between being proud of who you are and sexualizing yourself. Mm -hmm. And uh, and there's it's hard to find that balance. I can only imagine how much more difficult it would be in the fitness industry. Well, now, your, 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 your job is a little different, though, also, because there's this profound mental and creative component on yes. a nightly mm -hmm. basis, too, right? <laughs> you're, you're up there making snap stylistic decisions and also just practicing something in, in your mind that you've been practicing for 20 years. Um, do you feel like getting fitter has actually made you a better guitar player oh, in any I'm so way? glad you asked that because I wanted to ask I mean, not, yeah. just, not just at like, all right, I, I have energy to last the show, but like... No, it has. Know, it has a thousand percent. And I'll tell you why. Discipline. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Discipline is a muscle just like anything else. And the more you train it, the more you have it. Whether you're intermittent fasting, whether you're dieting, whether you're working out, whether you're practicing the guitar, whether you're learning a new language, whatever it is, the more you exercise your discipline muscle, the stronger it will get. And, you know, and also removing temptations and stuff like that is a huge thing. One total game changer for me was having my food delivered on tour. Mm -hmm. So like, you know, stuff like that made a huge, huge, huge difference. I have a uh, trifecta nutrition meals sent out every week on tour. They deliver mm -hmm. every Friday, wherever I am in the United States. And that kind of helps me stay on that track as well. So anything, you know, any little edge you can give yourself to stay on track, I think is, is a worthy thing to do. Mm. Yeah. yeah and, I, and I also wonder how, um, now that you're kind of outside of the lifestyle that you used to lead, when you look back at that lifestyle, how does it how does it look to you now? It's so funny that you asked that because I think about that all the time, and I never really want to talk too much about it because I don't look don't down judge on people, anybody. Sure. Like mm -hmm. everybody's on their own path. There's like there is no part of me that would ever tell anybody you need to stop drinking because I stopped drinking. But I look back at old pictures of myself, you know, like I think back on those days, you know, sometimes it pops up in your Facebook memories or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, how did I ever think that I was happy like that? Like, you know, there are people that can function very, very happily, but I was, I was more than 50 pounds heavier than I am now. You know, I was constantly fighting with my wonderful boyfriend. My parents were always worried about me. You know, I was, I just wasn't happy. I wasn't happy with myself. And I didn't realize how unhappy I was until I removed that element from my life. And now it's funny, you know, I'll go out to concerts or go out to a restaurant or whatever. You run into people that are hammered and sloppy. And I look, I go, I was totally that guy. I, mm -hmm. I that, like how many times have I run into people and been so super sloppy? And I thought it was hilarious at the time. And, you know, I've been on stage you know, back when I was playing with the Iron Maidens, the other guitar player, Courtney, who's actually sober and on her own fitness journey now as well, uh, we used to get so hammered on stage and then we would make huge mistakes and we would think it was so funny because we're like, oh, it's so drunk. Like, mm -hmm. um, and now you look back at that, you go, fuck, what were we thinking? Like, 
how you know what an, what an unprofessional mentality to have right. yeah it's a, it's a message the mm-hmm. way the way there you send a lot of messages when you're on stage absolutely you, know? you do and if there was ever a sign that it was supposed to stop and that this was supposed to happen i mean when i stopped you know you can ask whatever it is you believe in for a sign like am i on the right path and i've gotten so many signs you know like i'm the first female to have a signature guitar with ibanez which is the company that Vi right. plays and Tetriani mm-hmm. and all my heroes play you know i have my signature pickups i was on the cover of the two biggest guitar magazines in the world this year you know i dropped 50 pounds i can fit into all the clothes i want now mm-hmm. <laughs> um you know, I can wear a bikini and and be happy, reasonably happy. Yeah. <laughs> if you ever be totally happy. But, uh, you know, you can, like, there's so many things, you know, like my relationship improved, my relationship with my family improved. Everything has, has gotten, like, skyrocketed. My album came out. You know, I'm on my first solo tour ever. And if that's not proof saying, like, yeah, you're on the right path, I don't know what more proof I could ask for. Mm. Now, you've, you've toured with Alice Cooper a lot, who famously in the 70s was just all excess. Right? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, uh, there, there was this um, sort of new journalism book that, about him in 1974 that you can't find anymore called, I think, Billion Dollar Baby that I read. It's like the story of the dysfunctional Alice Cooper years, basically. Right. Mm-hmm. And then now people associate Alice Cooper with clean living, playing golf every day. I, I had the opportunity to interview him like 12 years ago when he, oh, when he nice. stopped in town. And he's just, he's so thoughtful and protective of his rituals. Oh, yes. And I wonder, yeah, what, what is it, what is it like being on tour with that guy as opposed to being on tour with other people? And what have you taken from him? Alice is is the consummate professional. He's always on point. He's always the, the exact guy you interviewed. He's that person all the time. <clears throat> Clean living, gets up early, plays golf, goes to church on Sundays, sober 40 years and change. Um, and the funny thing about Alice being sober, I remember he said uh, a couple years ago, he was on the golf course and you know, the golfers are all big drinkers right. for the most mm-hmm. part. And somebody had put uh, they had like spiked their own Diet Coke. Like it, he, they weren't trying to mess with him, but they had put some rum or something in their own Diet Coke. Alice took a sip of it by accident. And he was like, oh my God, is this going to be- Here's the feeling. Is this going to be the trigger? Mm-hmm. And it wasn't. Like, you know, like after this long sobriety, he's like, nope, it was nothing. You don't, you didn't even feel it anymore. And the level that he functions at, touring as much as we do, at I'm 31. Age. He's yeah. 70. Yeah. Right. He is 70. He turned 70 in February. He's going to be 71 in a couple months. Mm. You know, so he's 40 years older than me. And to still be functioning at this high of a level, um, I think everybody should learn a little thing or two about what he does and try to emulate that. Mm. But yeah, but he, he also has that. He's part of that, that rock star mentality, that mythology, though, of like, you got to keep going. You got to tour for as long as the mm-hmm. world wants mm-hmm. to listen to you. Oh, yeah. You know? yeah. I don't think he'll stop. Yeah. I was going to say, what, does he push you? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> it pushes me all the time. It mm-hmm. inspires me all the time. You know, anytime that I feel tired, anytime that I feel like, ah, oh, you know, you know, like, I don't feel like giving 100% on stage today. Like if a guy that's 70 years old that has been touring for 50 years, 5-0, can do this, I like I certainly don't have any mm-hmm. excuse. Yeah, but does, that, that that lifestyle though, it's like it's a, it's a different kind of lifestyle and I know that there's um that there's always going to be an appeal there. Like I, one of my favorite punk rock musicians, he's, he's probably 50 or 55 years old now. And he tours 300 days a year sometimes. Right. And that's that's the norm for a lot of people. Oh, like yeah. That sort of die on stage mentality. That's what we do. Does that, does mm-hmm. that still call to you as much as it did when you were when you were younger? Do you, is, is, is that the lifestyle that you still feel like, you're like, I got to keep doing this forever? You know, I will say uh, now that I've been doing it for 16 years, uh, it's lost a little bit of the appeal. I mean, I love touring. I love playing music. But I love going home now, too. Like Mm -hmm. I, you know, and a lot of that has to do with being in a really good place in my life. 
you know, when I was partying, I wasn't in a good, happy place in my relationship, you know, whatever else, I'd stay on the road all the time. You know, why not? I get paid to go out and, and party. But now, you know, I'm in such a great place in my relationship, such a great place in my life. I've got my our two dogs at home and, you know, a beautiful house and a nice life there. So mm-hmm. I look forward to going home now. I really do. You know, and, and so it's it's more of a balance now than like, I got to get back out on the road. I got to right. get back out on the road. Now it's like, I like I love to go out and tour and play for people, but I also do love to go home. Sure. I, I was fortunate uh, recently to interview um, this great old jazz musician, Sonny Rollins. Right. Who's, he's 88 now. And when he, he in 1958, uh, he, he kind of had that, he was at that moment that you were at a few years ago where he's like, boy, this just, I'm not happy. I'm, right. I, I'm successful, but I'm not happy. And he stepped away from performing at the height of his powers for three years, did a three-year sabbatical where wow. he just focused on working out, practicing, and getting ready to come back. And that's a risk as it's, a musician. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I was wondering, yeah, when when you really started to change the way that you led your life, did did you feel like, I wonder if this is even compatible with being a rock musician like of that? Course. Can I Can I do this? Of course. Absolutely. And I was really lucky to be on tour at the time with Motley Crue mm-hmm. and um, – and have Nikki Six out on tour with us. And while I wouldn't say like, oh, we're super good friends, like we did become friends. And I was able to go to somebody that's been to hell and back, right. you know, kind of hat in hand and say, what what do I do? <laughs> like, what do I do now? And, you know, he gave me some books, you know, like book suggestions to read and, you know, meditation and, and all these different things. And, and now there's so many people that were known for being these crazy hard partiers that just have adopted this lifestyle. You know, I've got all the guys doing the DDP yoga now oh, yeah. on the nice. tour bus. Like, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll wake up and we'll put on the DDPY app and mm-hmm. we'll do a DDP yoga workout. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. like th- those are the kind of things that if you fall into a routine and, you know, we've got the trifecta food, we've got the yoga, we've got a gym, we've got, mm-hmm. you know, the stuff that we need to function at this level, it becomes easy. It's only when you don't set yourself up for success that it's difficult. Right. Yeah, then yeah. it gets tricky. Yeah. If I fly out somewhere and I'm like, oh, I didn't prepare anything. I didn't bring gym shoes. I didn't bring stuff. Then I'll fall off track. Mm-hmm. But as long as you plan ahead for success, you go, okay, I'm going to get there. I'm going to work out. I'm going to do this. And as long as you plan ahead, it's like meal prepping, but for your whole life, mm-hmm. essentially. Yeah, and, I, and that was one thing I wanted to yeah, ask you as well. Is how much of this is just building rituals? Like It mm-hmm. sounds like you must have, even on the road, which can be a pretty chaotic place, Fairly ritualized lifestyle. I do. Yeah, I really do. Uh, it's a little more difficult on the solo tour. You mm-hmm. know, with on the Alice Cooper tour, it's a lot less work. It's a lot less responsibility. The solo tour, this is my name on the marquee. Mm-hmm. You know, no one's, they're, they're coming there to see me or not, you know, and that's it. Uh, so there's a lot more to do. You know, it's a, a lot less luxurious, less gym access. You know, we're not in hotels every day. We don't have hotel gyms and stuff. But as long as you set that mentality up, you know, you set an alarm, you get up, you do what you can. You know, a lot of times we depend on working out in the parking lot outside the bus. If you guys mm-hmm. can see, if you could only see what the parking lot here at Polyvalent.com looks like, you'd see that that hasn't happened that much on this tour. So you just, you fit in what you can and also uh, not beat yourself up if you don't. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, it's also, it's easy to just like, just shut down and go, well, um, you know, I didn't do, I didn't work out today. So it, my day's shot anyway. So I might mm-hmm. as well just not. But I like the analogy of if you drop your phone and the screen cracks, you don't just keep slamming your phone on the table until it breaks. You know, if you have a donut, that doesn't ruin your whole day and you just eat whatever the hell you want the whole the rest of the day. Right. If you don't work out, that doesn't mean you just the whole day goes to hell. Right. You know, yeah, so you whatever just didn't work out that day. Just yeah. keep going. Well, it's interesting because I feel like to a certain extent in the performance industry, 
drugs were used to enhance performance, to get you ready, to get you, you know, alcohol is to loosen you up. And now it's kind of sounds like this new wave of rock star is using fitness as their new drug. A thousand percent. You couldn't yeah. be more right. When we were on that Motley Crue tour, and we talked about this in the the earlier uh, piece too, Nikki Six used to come into our dressing room and go, hey, you guys got that stuff? And it was this green drink. <laughs> it was this green, you know, like this green powder, drink. green drink. But that's a green cup. That doesn't count. We can yeah, just figure that this out. This is, this is as dank as anything that Nikki was drinking. On <laughs> I'm sure. This, this was called a uh, rocking wellness, I think, something oh. like that. Mm -hmm. But it was like spirulina, kale, like just you know, like a like an organic greens mm -hmm. type of a powder that you put in your water. Keep you regular out there on the road. Awful. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, the most disgusting taste. But like, <laughs> it's just so funny because you know we called it the like highway to health. Mm -hmm. Instead of highway to health. Uh, highway to health. See, she's got on. dad jokes too. All the dad jokes. Now, I blame, uh, I blame called Chuck this podcast Highway to Health with Nita Strauss. Highway to Health. I'm so uh, And then on her board fitness routine will be called Iron Maidens. Exactly. Mm -hmm. I love that. So now you must be an aficionado of, of the elastic band then as well, right? Of oh, yeah. Bands. Yeah, the bands. We're, we're huge proponents of the bands. Okay, so, so what's the key for making those work or like, is there, a, uh, I, I always tell people like, you gotta have a doorway anchor. A doorway anchor is a game changer. I like, can see that. What, 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 do you, what, what do you tell, or what, what, what's your favorite way to make bands work? So I like the loop bands mm -hmm. more than the more than the handle bands. Uh, Josh warms up with the handle ones on the door every single day before we go on stage. He's always with the band's head around the door. For me, I like to do burnout sets. Like I'll do a lot of like stuff with them. And if we don't have, you know, a heavy a gym with any weights or anything, I'll just do burnout sets with the, with the band. And I find that having the band around, you know, your upper thigh or whatever, or I'm sorry, lower thigh above the knee keeps you in such better form, you know, you're keeps oh, your for knees squats from, like, and things. It's mm -hmm. amazing. Buckling yeah. in and totally stuff. It's changer. been total game changer. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Works that booty. Uh, are you into BFR bands? I don't know about BFR bands. <gasps> Blood flow Blood restriction. Blood flow restriction. So is this like, like my is this the sweet sweat? This is the sweet sweat. <laughs> we get to have redemption now. Tell me, yes. Tell me well, about this. I, I would, it's but insane. we end up it's talking about bonkers. blood flow restriction training yeah. on like every other podcast. Yeah. So okay. Right. Tell me when we're done. No, no, no. no uh, blood, flow, blood flow restriction training is it's like exactly you, what it you sounds like. You turn the your upper arms. arm or the upper thigh. Okay. Um, so that blood gathers in that limb while you're training, and it allows you to get a really unpleasant pump with a very light weight. But actually, there's been research that says. It can lead to pretty profound strength increases, mm -hmm. muscle increases, right. mm -hmm. and for legs and arms with a resistance, a light resistance band, it is, it's pretty incredible. I it must be amazing there. for for circulation. Too. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. like, yeah. It's all about how tight you make it. You know, there's, yeah. people, people can go too tight, but your body lets you know when you go too tight because you go, I, I, can't, I can't walk. Yeah, oh, my arm is laying there. I can't feel it. Yeah. Uh, but I'm yeah, this is forever. <laughs> so, some, some BFR band curls, BFR squats. This, this is something you need to have. So what on he's saying is, they take up this amount of space in your bed. Yeah, you know? it's, you write that down. <laughs> <laughs> and we might know a website that has a couple of yeah, articles exactly. about that. That, <laughs> that and the doorway anchor. Um, now, no, I also know that you're a follower of Stoic philosophy, right? Yes. This definitely. is something I read about you, and I love this because Stoicism is a way of life has really been gathering a lot of momentum in the I last so, few yeah. years. And I, and I was a philosophy major uh, in, in college, and I remember thinking that Sto oh, Stoics are just one other thing. Right, right. But it's it's fascinating how Stoicism Absolutely. has blossomed. So for people who don't know, what, what, what would you say are some of the defining characteristics of Stoicism? Um, I first I first found out about Stoicism by reading The Obstacle is the Way. Mm -hmm. And I know that a lot of like real Stoic scholars and philosophy majors and people go, oh, that's not real Stoicism. I find that it is. It's mm -hmm. just kind of it's like you know if you it's like reading um like if you're reading like a more modern day text of the bible or something versus reading the original text it's just bit broken down into 
ways that you can understand. You know, it's got sports quotes and, mm-hmm. and you know, uh, analogies that work with modern day life. And essentially just uh, the philosophy that uh, what stands in the way becomes the way. The impediment to action advances action. And, you know, f- embracing the challenges, embracing the difficulties in life and, and finding new ways to look at them was it literally changed my entire life. And I remember reading The Obstacle is the Way on the stair machine at the gym. And before I knew it, I had been on the stair machine for an hour. And I was like, this book is amazing. Right. Um, and and uh, also Ego is the Enemy by Ryan Holiday also. Those were the two. Those are the two that I always recommend people start with. Your shirt says mm-hmm. Ego Kills yeah. Talent. Ego Kills like. Talent. Exactly. This is uh, this is my favorite reminder ever. It's from a company called Beverly Kills. And they have my two favorite shirts ever, which are Ego Kills Talent and Stay Humble or Be Humbled, mm-hmm. um, both of which kind of work with stoicism, although the company is not stoic at right. all. Um, and, you know, this company, I wear these shirts on stage all the time because it's a great reminder to myself and to the audience, like, hey, keep yourself in check. You know, the, the whole brand is basically about how people lose themselves, they lose their morals and they lose their integrity in pursuit of their dreams and pursuit of what they really want. And in pursuit of things they can't mm-hmm. control. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. So having a little reminder, like stay humble or be humbled, mm-hmm. you know, if, you, if you're not humble, the world will make you humble. Mm-hmm. And that's, uh, that's something I like to put out there and represent. Right. Yeah, I mean, th- one, one of the great historical um, stories about stoicism is, is that, you know, at the moment of a general or an emperor's great triumph, somebody would whisper in his ear, remember, remember you're going to die. Remember you're mortal. Right? Exactly. Mori. I have the coin. Yeah. Yeah. Remember, oh, you have you're one mortal. Of those coins? Remember yeah. you're mortal. Yeah. But it's also just, it seems like it's, it's, a, it's a great way of life as a, through a fitness lens as well, yeah. because it's all about inspecting your actions, controlling what you can, looking for things that you can do getting rid of things you can't do. Yes. Um, yeah, how, how did you how did you find that? Like, or yeah, you mentioned this this one book, but how, how, did, you, how did you get that serious about it? Um, it was that book. I mean, mm-hmm. it really was. And I actually had the opportunity to tell the author, Ryan Holiday, that he's actually a big metal fan, which is awesome. Oh, really? like, he loves Iron Maiden and mm-hmm. Alice Cooper and stuff. So that's the coolest that like, uh, and I've actually, I've done uh, some interviews with him for the Daily Stoic and, and stuff, which is very, very cool mm-hmm. to be a so, part so of the how do you How do you work that into your life? Then? Um, it's, it's really about embracing the teachings, I find, like the fundamentals, you know. Um, Memento Mori is a great example, what, what you just talked about, how the general come back from winning battle and uh, there would be a slave whispering in his ear, remember you'll die someday, mm-hmm. remember that you're mortal. Um, and I go on stage in front of sometimes 100,000 people at a time, you know, and it's this huge high, like this huge rush. And if you're not careful, you can get swept away on that wave, mm-hmm. you know, and that's how people fall into this path of drugs and cheating and alcohol and and all this stuff because you're like, I am, can I cuss? Yeah, I am fucking invincible. Right. <laughs> like, oh, because you feel that way? No, sure. because yeah. you get on stage and you do what you love in front of that many people and you're on this gigantic high. And then you get on, you get off stage, you know, you meet fans, you take pictures, you know, you're, you're the hero of the day, you're the rock star. And then you get on the tour bus and then you climb into this tiny little cocoon alone. And then you lay there Mm -hmm. and it's dark and it's silent and it's bumpy and uncomfortable. And you're like, oh my God, I was just up there and now I'm in here. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have something to put that kind of thing in perspective, it can really mess with your head. Mm -hmm. And that is why I spent so long kind of numbing all of that by drinking and doing drugs and whatever else. Because it's a very strange dynamic. And uh, and having something like that, having the stoic philosophy to kind of ground me and say, like, everything happens for a reason. Everything happens the way it's supposed to. 
you have to compartmentalize your life, just like your lifts, just like, you know, your fitness routine or your cardio or whatever it is. You have to compartmentalize it into single component doable steps, uh, whatever your goal is, whatever it is that you're doing. And that has saved me tremendous amount of anxiety and headache. Yeah. Uh, Epictetus is one of the great um, Stoic philosophers. He's always my favorite. Just, yeah. just so readable. So like, epic. Exactly. But also just like, because uh, <laughs> when, when I learned that you were in it, I was like, oh, right. I, I'd been so long since I'd read that stuff. And I got mm-hmm. some of it the other day. I was reading it again. And he had so many great quotes that just bring it all into perspective. And one of them is like, yeah, you treat all of everything in your life, all of your good things, all of the bad things. They're all just like basically visitations. You don't own any of it. Your wife, your kids, your, yeah. your success, your guitar. It comes to you. And when it leaves... It's just being returned, basically. I love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's it, it, with fitness that can that, that can be valuable because is... you can think it's you can think it's it's so important. Every little thing is so important. Oh yeah, just, you're just kind of taking what you you're can. borrowing. Well, it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fitness yeah. especially because as you age, you're not going to be able to maintain sure. that same level. And but I you think can still do so much. You know, you, you yeah. can still do so much. And what about that lady that's like 80 years old and competing in, mm-hmm. in fitness? Like I love her. I'm, no. I keep I see oh, that man. circulate around. I don't know which one you're thinking. I was going to say which one. We know a bunch of those. We know of a couple. Yeah. Yeah. one that I keep seeing circulate. One viral video I keep mm-hmm. seeing circulating. Oh, is it that uh, African-American, African-American lady? Yeah. Yeah. She's mm-hmm. she's incredible. She's like 88. I love her. She's 88. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Anytime I don't feel like going to the gym, I think about her. (laughs) I feel like once a year we we have another uh, person right in that age group where it's like, hey, I'm 93, I'm doing a show, and they come to the site. It's incredible. You know, Alice's wife, Cheryl, Alice Cooper's wife, Cheryl Cooper, has been the ballet dancer in Alice's show since Welcome to My Nightmare in the 70s. Wow. Wow. She is still the ballerina in our show now. And if you look at her, because she's in a full face of makeup, Mm -hmm. like, you know, this crazy clown nurse makeup, you would never think that underneath that makeup is a woman that's old enough to have been in a show for 42 years, but she has been. Wow. You know, like you take somebody like that, she's so flexible. She puts her legs straight up in a full arabesque over her head and it's like, if she can do that, everybody, right. you know, like everybody yeah. can have that discipline. Wow, and she, does, she, she hasn't broken down. I feel like no. because you hear about ballerinas and people who, yeah, move their hips in that way. Mm-hmm. That was one thing that they heard about Prince was that was one reason why he was on pain pills was because doing the splits on stage for years and years mm-hmm. had done that to him. But mm-hmm. I mean, I guess ba- a ballerina has control of those ranges of motion mm-hmm. like nobody else though, True. right? Yeah. And Prince, you know, like he would just fall into fall that into split. Yeah. You know, it's not like a split where you're stretching, like you're doing yoga or something. He would just slam into that mm-hmm. split. Yeah. Every time I see that, I go, oh, <laughs> I'm not yeah. gonna try. And I, and I claim no no knowledge. I just read that about Prince. If that's wrong, I'm sorry. To well, Prince it, seems, you know. it seems legit. Yeah, it's, it, yeah it, it's, you can imagine it. But, um, well, we really appreciate you coming talking with yes. us. Controlled Chaos is out now. Um, on all the streaming services. Yep, it's on uh, it's on iTunes, Amazon Music, Google Play, Spotify, Pandora. You can also can, buy it though. You can buy it on my <laughs> website, nidastrails.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's also the best place to find all my tour dates, mm-hmm. all she that She may or may stuff. not be in your town, people. I will be here in, in Boise tonight, actually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got another three weeks left of the Guitar Collective Tour, which is myself, Angel Vivaldi, and Jackie Vincent. So if you guys like guitar playing, there's going to be so much guitar playing going on. There are no singers on this tour. It's all shredding. Oh, instrumental, yeah. instrumental all rock all the time. See, that's yep. and yeah, it's instrumental rock gets gets a bad rap, you know. Yeah, it does, and it's fun. It's mm-hmm. really fun. Like this is not 
your parents is to Mount Rock. So that, I, this is something you've obviously been fantasizing about. If you're a fan of Joseph Trelawney and Steve mm-hmm, Vai and people mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, this is a dream. You know, to have my label come out on Sumerian Records. Sumerian is the company that's like right on the cutting edge of all this new instrumental stuff. And then to go on tour with Angel and Jackie, like two of the most accomplished shred guitar players. And we're playing fun music. You know, it's not just like, oh, we're going up there playing a ton of notes and it's exhausting. Like we're, we have a super high energy show. We have a big light show. It's it's a rock show. It's, it's a lot of notes but it's also a rock show so if you guys are in town and like instrumental guitar music if you go to theguitarcollective.net or any of my social media i'm hurricane nita on instagram twitter i am news Strauss on facebook you can find all the tour dates cool and you have your own signature ivan's guitar now too that's right go buy (laughs) most definitely your own axe my own axe my weapon of choice go buy that axe people (laughs) nita strauss thanks for coming to talk about this thank you thank you guys so much for having me on 